Somebody start the show. Okay, good. Oh my god, my thing keeps messing up on that intro. I don't know why. Hey everybody, welcome to episode uh, 106 of Tactical Crouch. I'm Kick Tripod, joined by Iskan Volamel, and we are going around the league, checking in with our favorite franchises. So naturally, as early as possible, we brought on the floor to Mayhem to discuss with them about what's going on, and none other than GM for the Florida Mayhem. Yeah, welcome back to the show. Hello, good to see you. Yep, second time. Happy to happy to be back. Second timer, third timer, uh, third time you get a jacket. So, um, oh, all right, oh, well, dang. that's the big, think, that's the big <clears> one. <throat> I don't think I'm going to be invited. You guys don't want to. You guys aren't going to want to shell out for the jacket. <laughs> we uh, we can at that's least we can at least do a race the mayhem tee. <laughs> a t-shirt? Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll come on for a t-shirt. There we go. Uh, yeah. So speaking of, I mean. We got to, I got to say, I think, I don't know if we should thank you or be angry at you, Albert, because, mm. uh, you know, early on in the season, we, uh, Yiska started up something called race the mayhem. The idea was we'd set a fitness goal based on the number of wins the Florida mayhem would have. And, um, I think Yiska was a little bit more skeptical on that win number <laughs> Then we are be. now seeing, I mean, in hindsight, right? And right uh-huh. now, like we, Yiska says too many more wins. He's going to have to chop off a leg. So, uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> the thing is like, um, of course, like a lot change. I'm, I'm definitely not backing out or out of anything. It's just, mm-hmm. uh, it's an, an interesting, uh, season, how it went, right? Like not, you guys are now playing exclusively the Boston Uprising seemingly <laughs> like <laughs> at least that that's what what my uh weight tells me is happening yeah. um so oh, I'm currently losing I'm losing especially if we are considering the bonus wins from the tournament yeah and cool. uh better something like th- I'm I'm already happy for the break I'm going to be honest like <laughs> I need some I need some time to catch up <laughs> Yeah, well, our team's not taking much of a break, so we're right back at it. We actually, we are, we're actually back to practicing today, so we took a week off and okay. we're back Good. at it. So much deserved. Hopefully, you know, hopefully more wins to come. Um, fortunately or unfortunately for you, I, I think they're coming either way. Personally, um, and I, what are I, you know, practicing? I, what are we practicing? Yeah. Um, you know, that's a secret. You know, we. That's, <laughs> that's that's not that's not relevant to the discussion. I don't no. think. I, I, gotta, say, sir. I, I gotta figure out if I need to search <laughs> for this like <laughs> if you're telling me like maybe you're practicing no hero pulls and you, Yaki can keep playing Tracer then mm. I have a problem well actually I, I don't know what we're practicing because the, we're still waiting on the format from the league but I think mm-hmm. we'll, we'll get to that part later um, mm. yeah 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 all right intro banter has concluded <laughs> customary of every podcast intro banter mm-hmm. done thank you everybody for hanging out uh coming to us uh tuning in with us live today we really appreciate it for those who keep asking uh thank you so much for asking by the way we're not partner yet but we're still going strong for it uh we're just going to keep 
acting like we don't have it. So we're trying to get as many concurrence on the live show, uh, 75 or above. And we're well over that. So thank you everybody for doing that. Big thank you to all of our patrons and, um, all of our subs. We love you all. Uh, let's get into the news and talk about the things. Uh, thanks to our patron producers, Battlecrab Pin, Lotion, Charlie L, Audio Compass, Porkchop, Sammy, Kasha67, Kuchikopi, Sharp, Picasso, Nathan, Your Misery, Hunter Tane, Refine Bean, and Rex Zane. Thank you so much for the support of sh- the, your support of the show. Go to patreon.com slash tactical crouch if you want to support. And uh, today we get to Yiska and Joe get to go off because uh, Korean Overwatch was uh, back into the golden age oh, yeah. for brief, just a brief moment. Just, a, just a shimmer in the sky, a brief glimpse it was great we saw former lunatic high versus uh former runaway and uh we got to see a little show match combined with hero bands and, and some cool things mm-hmm. how you feeling i mean how was that for you too you two are always you know i think stuck in a lot of ways in in apex sometimes and so you got to, you got that little you, you got that little uh that fix back yeah, it was it was fun to see the old stage and it was it was impressive to kind of see OGN come out uh, after not doing the production, not having that workflow after, you know, however many years it's been and come out and look like they haven't missed a beat is impressive. Um, yeah, it was it was really fun. It was fun to kind of like feel like it was back then. It was like five in the morning. I'm incredibly lethargic trying to like piece together what this could mean or like any kind of like storylines for the next day and yeah it it was fun it was uh it was a good time sad to see sad to not see everybody involved with those teams like it would have been cool to get everybody involved but obviously with with some of the logistics you know some people are doing military service and some people are Mm. i don't know where they're at these days but it, it it was fun regardless it was fun to see like a weird format it was weird to see it was fun but kind of weird to see like the bands and stuff that was kind of a a head scratcher but all in all it was a good time well, i'd lie if i didn't uh well up at the intro and all of the i get it's you know it, it was it was a good time it was a good time i forgot that i overwatch league daily i used the beginning part of the apex intro that part is the beginning of overwatch league daily i forgot that i just ripped that straight from there i never got in trouble for it thankfully i think it's because it's it was overwatch uh it's from the overwatch soundtrack as well but when i heard that i was like i remember ripping that that was uh that was a good time Mm. so yeah yeska you know what i realized about this apex season three started a day after i turned 30. So basically, this has been around for my entire, entire boomerhood. And if we, if we want to call it that. And yeah, it's like personally, um, I, I really liked the match. I also thought that I was surprised how serious it was taken. Mm. Like there was definitely some people that wanted to show themselves and present themselves towards the league. Of course, um, also still the the um some of the overwatch league players or like soon to be once again like Huxall, of course mm-hmm. um but i also must say i thought the uh, the rookie get match or the the you know the prodigy map match if you want i'm not sure what the futures future champions yeah something like this that was a great idea as well um 
Yeah. I'm not in position to say if the selection was good because I haven't watched any uh, Contenders Korea. But as a concept in general, that's an, an amazing thing. Um, and like maybe we could determine something f- like that for all of Contenders through, and that would require to be given, for instance, like someone to really sit down, hone out, like measure out uh, how to fairly distribute. Um, play of the match type of awards mm-hmm. uh, even for contenders and then just inviting seemingly based on that if that's possible very possible that support will never get a uh, play of the match or like one and that guy gets it then but um the the entire concept of it is i think also highly portable into other regions and would help create these storylines of like oh yeah you, you remember he was in that match like of the promising rookies and like now he gets into the league, so we have some background. Someone uh, looked at their talent and deemed them one of the best 12 players, blah, 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 or even just like one of the two best in their role mm-hmm. uh, from the rookies of that region. I think that's a really solid idea. Like, I loved it. like to see it happen in, in other regions. You know, if there's going to be another break after, you know, the June tournament, that'd be that'd be pretty cool to see, you know, come... I'd like to see it pop up and be regular where it's like, okay, these are the promising players. These are people to look out for. You know that because they're playing in these regular kind of show matches and, and, uh, you know, community esque tournaments. I think uh, I don't know. I'm a huge basketball fan, so it's not a new concept. Like, yeah, like in the, in basketball, there's the all American games, right? There's like high school and then college. I I think college, there's not really a, it's just like, it's just the March madness. There's not really a, you know, all stars for it. But I think that like and all stars are a rising stars type thing for um for Overwatch and Overwatch contenders would be would be very good. Mm-hmm. That, that'd be great. I was that was gonna be one of my first questions is like, is this something that we could or should see in um the other regions? Because obviously this was only Korea, but there's obviously other major regions that people are uh, watching and and participating in, and I personally, I would love to see this integrated some way into an Overwatch League broadcast. Um, mm. You know, whether it's and it's tough, right? Like, how do you integrate yeah. it? Like, I would love to. You know, um, I I come from hockey, and you know, hockey. There's kind of like big gaps between periods. It's like roughly the time to play an Overwatch map. And I would just love to like have that, just sandwich that right in there and play an Overwatch map or whatever. Um, but that's probably not very feasible. But I mean, I feel like that would be something I'd be that would be really great for the tier two mm-hmm. Overwatch all around because we have to be honest for a second and say that you know tier two Overwatch is struggling. Hurting. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's struggling Most to kind of get the the passion behind the views behind the familiarity. I mean, even for us, like we we cover mostly Overwatch League, and between covering Overwatch League and a full time job, like good luck watching Korean contenders, right? Like it just mm-hmm. like we get to cherry pick a few games here and there as best as we can, and even then, it usually comes at the cost of something else. Yep. Pretty much uh, there's not much with new titles kind of popping up and and trying to gain a footing or just get familiar with that Um, doesn't leave a ton of time to watch regular season. I I try to make it a point to watch at least the playoffs, but even then it's it's tough to to warrant, you know, watching Lucky Future get, you know, a mud hole stomped. 
uh, in their rears and uh you know come out the other side of it god bless that retirement home but uh yeah it's it's rough it's rough, it's rough. yeah i think if Al if Al did something like this i'm sure there'd be a ton of viewers um mm-hmm. pretty pretty simple to attach a sponsor to it a pitch to a sponsor i feel like um but you know i don't know what the links of their sponsor contracts are um yeah. if that's even feasible this year um but you know i think it's definitely a really good suggestion and something that's like proven to work right like mm-hmm being a McDonald's All-American for basketball is like a, a huge accomplishment or, yeah. you know, the Jordan brand classic, you know, there's, there's so many, there's so many chances for um, players to kind of get recognized in, in sports, in the farm system. So don't see why it should be any different for esports. I'd love, I'd love to see that. Like um, not obviously not super familiar with the, the McDonald's All-American, but um, award, but having something uh, sponsor tied into or integrated into an award system for contenders i think that'd be that'd be a, a a definite way to to get them recognition and also drive some of the the narratives coming into the league because i think one of the big things that i looked at the show match and i said well this isn't the best overwatch being played like it's it's obviously kind of messy and kind of all over the place and chaotic but it's the names it's the stories it's what we remember it's that nostalgia and it's like well why 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 is this any different? Why is this not drawing the same views in the Overwatch? Like we also have stories, we also have narratives, but they're not as, you know, they're these aren't the legends. These aren't we're not building them up as well as we could. So I think starting from the ground floor and working up in that sense, I think would uh set us up for success in the future when we have, you know, uh two-time uh, I don't even know if this even makes any sense, but a two-time McDonald's All-American, you know, contenders player coming up into the league and, you know, doing well on this team that that kind of builds up their story builds up their legend and when they end up retiring we can have those show matches and we can have those those performances because right now it's not necessarily we're not there yet the second generation of kind of professional players aren't being built to be these stars and i think we all need to do that do that better so one thing yeah go ahead sorry one thing that i also um wonder is uh, around these type or like specifically these players i always felt that the korean fandom and our western fandom mm-hmm. were there for differently reasons right like because okay. it it was hard for us to really like we we don't have that many touching points in terms of like getting to know these players and whatnot sure. so in that way it was almost a little bit more traditional sporty in the sense that you know like you build the myth of a player you don't really know him that much you only know him by you know like the stories and the, the achievements and like mm. how they maybe react from their facial uh um features like how they are in the moment but you don't really get to see them talk on a lot like it is in esports right like uh, sorry in the west like where you have the access to a personal player stream and you get a a different idea and it's like very often like you 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 think okay this player is probably like this and then you watch the stream and it isn't that case mm. right you have a very different relationship so um that i always wondered how how much that differed like these these two different um communities and how they perceived that to be the case because i feel like this is even more special in the sense that we have so few touching points between the korean and the 
uh, Western community. Like there's stories that are dominating the Korean scene at times that don't even get here. Yeah, like I don't know. Are, like because we have like two or three funnel points, and th- that dictates like what what permeates our barrier in I, that mm. regard, right? I mean, maybe, but I think a similar like if you were to do like what Lunatic High and um, Runaway did in the West. It would probably be like old rogue versus old selfless, you know. Like, what? Yeah. Do you think mm-hmm. that would bring a lot of viewership? I personally think like I a think lot so. of Western yeah. fans would turn in for that, right? Mm-hmm. Um. So I think it's part of. I think there are similar storylines. Um. But I think for Koreans, it's for like Korean Overwatch. It's a lot. There's just been a lot more lands, right? There's been a lot more land events. Yeah. Um, a lot more opportunities to kind of capture the raw emotions. Um. Also, like when you're at the tier two level, I think the emotions and the it's a lot more, like, it means a lot more, right? A win means a lot more. A loss is, like, much more devastating. Because in the league, right, there's guaranteed contracts. Or you lose, yeah. you're still getting paid. You know, in Apex, like, yeah, people, you know, they weren't getting paid that much. Like, this is their, they're basically fighting for their lives, like, every mm. time they get on that stage. Especially mm. for a team like Runaway. Like, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know anything about Lunatic High contracts, how, you know, sure. if they pay them a lot or, or whatnot. Um, but, like, for Runaway, like, an org that was built from essentially nothing. Um, you know, it's a very different, like the fans that you get like on the way on the, on the come up is like, they're a lot stickier than, mm-hmm. um, you know, then you're just like, okay, here's your franchise, right? Like it's, it's just a different feeling. Yeah. Totally. Like it was, a, I remember it being a big deal when they got their, like a, uh, their, their kind of apartment and they got like washers and dryers and like, they kind of showed that, that process and it was so, totally. it was wholesome, but it was like, it was an achievement, right? Like this is a team that went through so much and has has faced relegation and faced, yeah. you know, disbandment and tried to get sponsors and couldn't, and now they have, and now they get to. They lost play the with, unit with washer relax. dryer, by the way, in Vancouver. Yeah, <laughs> yeah on the move. Yeah. So I mean, I, I think it's just like the process of being with them throughout the journey. Yeah. Where it's different if you just started when they're at the top, where it's like okay. You don't relate to them as much because it's like, right, the average league salary is six figures. They're getting six figures to play the video game. It's like, you know, like, I, I think to the average viewer, it's, uh, you know, they're probably not making six figures and they're not, they're like, that's just kind of foreign concepts. I'm like, they're just playing video games, you know, like, yeah. like, mm-hmm. suck it up, you know, right. like, whereas opposed to like Runaway, it's like, you know, you know, they're, they're struggling. They're, you know, they're fighting for their lives when they're on stage. Yeah. Um, just, just different. That feeling. humanization, that, that, that right. kind of human condition that, that we all kind of look at in, in art and media, it's, it's definitely an apparent and something which we can tie into later, I think would be great to see um, with these tournaments. I'd love to, I'd love to get like a inside look into like a real inside look, not, not just the, you know, fun kind of half montage interviews behind the scenes i want like cameras on at all times during these runs and like seeing that i'd love to have been seen like especially your team albert like making this this crazy run nobody really saw coming i mean i i think maybe some pundits would would argue differently but Mm -hmm. not not one that i'd necessarily predict and was was pleasantly surprised and and happy to be wrong on i'd love to i would have loved to have seen like you know yaki's face giving some comments you know kooky you know explaining during the match like that would have been sick sick content and i hope that we we get that with uh this continued tournament structure i hope that'd be some, that'd be something cool i'd, I'd, I'd definitely consume yeah let's uh there's so there's a, a few interesting things i think about the format here that we probably should discuss there's a couple of things that um were tried and they mm. so they augmented slash removed the 
two 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 roll lock. Yeah. Um, and introduced bands. Um, and, yeah. and the teams banned heroes for the other team mm-hmm. in a snake style. So team one bands, then team two bands two, mm-hmm. and team one bands two, and then team two for for the audio listeners who aren't um. Uh, familiar with the format and so uh there's four total and kind of similar to what overwatch league does now is two dps one healer one tank um i believe it went the support first then the tank second and then the two dps uh third and fourth um and then at map three one hero gets unbanned map four a second hero gets unbanned and at map five a third hero gets unbanned and they tried this out and we saw some similarities there. I believe um, Arisa was banned both times. Yep. Um, Baptiste was banned three out of the three four of the times. Four. And then yeah. um, uh, Brig, was banned once. Yeah, Brig was banned once. Echo was banned. Was it all A four lot. times? I'm not sure. I passed uh, out like halfway through the very, final. Very close to that. Highly for sure. And then I believe... May was a big one. May was one, and uh, we did see Sombra banned Sombra. once. Yep. Trying to remember the last one. Sorry, I. Uh, I think they get a they get a good idea yeah. of like Anyways, what this looked like. We saw this kind of immediate ban meta go through. Um, mm. But uh, Albert, I'd be really interested in in your thoughts on what are your thoughts on this sort of team oriented hero or like team driven hero ban um, format for Overwatch League. Uh, just in general. Um, I, I don't know. It's hard to say uh, without seeing it in action because um, our teams are definitely banned differently. Um, you'd see, I would, I would think you would see much more like particular bans based on certain teams. Like you play Fuel, like you ban Widowmaker, so Decay can't play Widowmaker, right? Um, whereas you know Fuel, if they, if they. Uh, their counter ban for maybe tracer right it's like okay well you don't like yaki doesn't get played like i don't think the bands would be as similar um mm-hmm. as you saw in the show match um and also with scrims you know the different different things happen like i think it just there are so many variables to consider that's four that's you have potentially eight different heroes banned right um like that's a that's a lot of variance like how does that affect the game how mm-hmm. the coach is thinking about that um yeah. it's a lot it's like an additional it's like many layers of complexity added on to your game strategy. And it's like that it's not a simple thing um, to optimize. Cause that's what, that's what our coaches would try to do. And teams are like, how do we, you know, and I think you probably see some sort you probably can't do this by hand. It'd be some sort of like running it through a program, like, you know, running different simulations and seeing like, which, which one looks the best to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I think it's just super hard to say. It just it's a lot of variables, and plus like the unbanned per map. Then it's like, okay, the first ban, like what should we ban first? You know, like it, it, there's so many variables. I, I think it's really hard to call. I also think there yeah. might might have been some sort of gentleman's agreement. Like, uh, oh, yeah. like imagine imagine banning Lucio as Team Slime against Team Toby. Yeah. <laughs> like, just imagine right. me like, Toby, you don't get to play Lucio now. Or like, Rami, you can't play Lucio. Or like, yeah, yeah, yeah. no Genji was banned, right? Like, everyone wants to see Hoxall and Genji. Right, you know? yeah, you just but like... If you were actually in out, if you were actually playing Hoxall, Genji would be a perma ban. It's like, right. you just can't play this here. Like, even if you 
you know, because Hawks was just that good on that here. Like, I would just yep. ban Genji every single time. So you time. probably have to implement, like, some sort of save system as well, right? Like, you can save right, two think, heroes, yeah. and then you ban mm. four heroes. You think? And then an hour and a half no. later, we uh, we actually no, get no, to no. watch Overwatch League. That, that Okay, there's a, a lot. Like, have, have you seen... John, did you see how it worked? Because there was a protect... Like, you ban four, then each map you can protect one ban. Oh, they so did have a protection. I, I just missed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. Like, oh, so it's, a, it's a ban per map. So, no, no. Well. So you ban four for the entire series, the and series. then each okay, yeah. consecutive yeah. map, yeah. one of these bans falls, falls away by your choice. So let's say you want to play... Yeah, like you want to play Echo then on, on map two, then you can protect the ban and then the other three heroes remain banned and that then keeps happening until map five where no no uh, i think yeah the, the rules in general and how they were explained and then the, what actually was shown was definitely muddled yeah. because i remember after one map of being played they were they went back yeah. to kind of a pick ban screen and then they started undoing so, things whereas the rules weren't necessarily so explained I think, well. I think this is a good illustration of also like if you guys are having trouble yeah. explaining the band system, you guys watch this. Like, imagine being a spectator and trying to understand what's going on. Like, it also has to be, like, spectator-friendly and, and, mm -hmm. and viewer-friendly. Yeah. And I, I don't think this current iteration... Yeah, I, as a pro, you're like, oh, that's cool. Like, Or as a, you know, a high-level you know, understander of the game, it's like, this is a cool concept. But I, I really don't think for your average viewer, people would like, even understand what's going on. They're like, okay, so, like, Genji's banned? Or, like... Kenji's not banned now. Like I thought it was mm -hmm. banned. Now it's like unbanned. Like just too confusing. Yeah. To be fair, yeah, I am the dumbest person making Overwatch League content that exists right now. So I, it's not it's not hard to have something fly past me. But another big gripe, kind of to your point, is that because this game's so flexibility based and it, that one of the core concepts and tenets of the game is the, the ability to change heroes on the fly. Mm -hmm. If I'm like a new viewer and I'm looking at this, it's like, oh well, why don't I, why don't they just play Genji and you? If you're in the game, you really don't have anything on the UI explaining to you that, hey, this is banned. And I think it could be something applied to like the hero pool system as well, where it's like, OK, well, they, here's the heroes that you, they can't play. Right. These are these are what's banned. So you as a viewer go, ah, OK, I see that they can't switch to these. So I have to change my yeah. own thinking and, and be a little bit more accurate on what I'm what I'm talking about. But I also think fundamentally for like viewership in the league, you want you want to see dps players you want to see players yeah. on their signature heroes mm -hmm. as much as you can um obviously the hero pulls you know it's like you might not see them for a week but like you know at least at like worst case scenario if like their heroes banned every other week you're still getting to see them play that hero theoretically every other week right yeah. which is far better than you know like goats right like you, you, they don't want to revert back to where you, you see Carpe and Zarya permanently, or you see like side players on break, right? Nobody wants to see that. Um, and I think bands kind of you're at risk of that happening because if you are that good at that hero, it will get banned mm -hmm. when when you introduce high stakes. Like it's just gonna happen. Like yes, the viewer wants to see Carpe and Widow. The other team doesn't want to see Carpe and Widow. Yeah. They're like, no, like that's dumb. Like as a as a competitor, why would you let that happen? Um, you wouldn't. It's. It's also, I think, we gotta be very careful with our language when we say hero bands, because the type of hero bands that it is, 
is there's a monumental difference to the band systems you can think of. Right. It's like, what if we ban all but six heroes? Would be one ban, that's hero bans. Yeah. Or we just ban one per map, that's hero bans. Yeah. And like we keep switching every map or we can protect or, you know, like hero bands doesn't tell you anything. And it also definitely doesn't tell you what, what the part of, um, what the work it requires for the coaches is and whatnot. Right. Yeah. What kind of a setup you need, um, how long it takes, all this type of stuff, right? Like hero bands ain't hero bands. So, um, still that was one thing that I found very interesting and I wanted to ask Albert uh, specifically here because I know Cookie has been uh, vocal about Hero Pools adding a lot of a ton of work to his mm -hmm. uh, schedule and Flame said on Twitter that he thought that Hero Bands would reduce the amount of uh, time that would be needed to protect uh, to um, to prepare now the o virtually the only way and initially that statement very much infuriated me how you can be in a room of coaches my microing out like in se having set strategies and rotations and like what ifs i think the only rationale to arrive at that point is to say we are get we, we don't have that anymore that's not how we are coaching overwatch anymore we're only coaching on heuristics nobody's running these set like rotations okay we're going here high ground with our that pick Nobody does that anymore. We stop coaching like this, and then maybe uh, coaching can uh, ease off in that regard because there's too much complexity to plan for. So the coaches might as well not do it and put their effort into teaching players to make good decisions on the fly. I mean, I think that's uh, you can see that in the games. Like, there's not really you don't see many set plays like things that you'd easily identify as like oh this is just a set play like this set plays mm -hmm. like their first fight approach you know like okay this is how we're going to approach the first fight if we see these heroes then we swap right that's like the extent it's you don't see like these super complex like strategies so, like think of like metathena right where they have like super complex sure. like strats you don't really see that it's mostly just back to basics um because you don't have time to refine out like everything it's just a lot of experimentation um in the first so, like uh, I don't know if Cookie's talked about this or any coaches talk, but basically the first half of the week for most teams is just you're just throwing stuff at the wall. You're like, oh, does this work? Does that work? Maybe we copy something that we saw in scrims. Um, maybe you know, maybe we we come up with our own idea. Maybe our players have a have a good idea, um, and we use that. Uh, so yeah, just seeing what sticks, and then on top of that, you have to figure out your lineup because most teams have. I mean, every team has. Not every team, maybe, but most teams have more than six players. There's someone you know that can be rotated in depending on what needs to be played, um, and so like the first half, you haven't even figured out your lineup yet. You haven't figured out your comp, which means you can't figure out your lineup. So it's like midway through, then it's like okay, finally, like all right, you just have to you just have to pick at that point. Like say Wednesday comes up or Thursday comes up, and you have a game on Saturday, you're just like, all right, I don't feel a hundred percent about this, but. This is the best we're gonna be able to. This is this is the most practice we're gonna be able to get um, before I have to pick a comp. And it's like, okay, maybe we're like seventy percent. Like we think this will work, and that's what we're going with. And we just have to play whatever those players. Because then the next two days, the next day is ha hammering out like the synergy there, the basics on the comp, how we want to execute it versus all the other possible comps. Um, so it's just a lot of work. And I think the only way it wouldn't be more work is if there was like a, not even a general agreement. It have to be like a league mandated like. 
you cannot practice over X amount of hours yeah. as a team. That's the only way it would be the same or less. Yeah. Because um, otherwise, it, every every team's like as and and Al is going to just practice if they can. They'll practice. They'll add an extra block. Right. They'll do extra to try to make up um, for that lot or not lost time. Uh, but in a way, it's lost time, right? Compared to like knowing what the meta is going forward and just having to refine, refine the meta. Um, it's figure it out, figure it out. Okay, this is the best we can get at you know by Wednesday, by Thursday. We just got to go with it. Um, so they're, uh, they're just naturally going to add an additional block. Um, so I think season one, I think you there weren't that many teams doing like three days, um, whereas like I pretty sure most teams in the league are trying to do three scrims a day now. Mm. Um, at least we are doing it. Um, but yeah, I know season one, like a lot of teams were just doing two two scrim blocks a day. Yeah, I think that the only other way to make it so that teams don't overpractice is come up with a state of the game that in which not overworking and going super hard, but actually taking downtime has a higher benefit. And because the diminishing returns on more practice, mm -hmm. make it so that like that maybe 10 hours of practice will give you a better results than 12 or 14. Right. And that theoretically is possible, I think, with like definitely rigid metas, like where everyone already kind of knows. And um, there's something to be said about rest times uh, during those metas. Of course, that's not, not a feasible solution anymore, as we uh, probably can all agree that people want the diversity. And I think that's firmly settled in. But maybe there's other ways to make it so that additional practice after a certain point is disincentivized over um, over more practice that isn't a hard rule. And I'm not sure what kind of a game we would look at in that regard. Like, mm -hmm. the, just theoretically, right? Like, it's a really dumb idea, but just to explain uh, what could be the case is like, what if each player could only play one hero ever? So this player would then only have to learn that hero and hone the strategies, uh, the, the, um, his understanding of the specific comp he's put in. Of course, terrible idea, but that player then wouldn't have to, you know, stretch himself in into learning other mechanics and being able to play all the other comps against all the other comps mm -hmm. while playing a hero they aren't used to. Of course, completely infeasible idea, just like one of those ideas where the system would make it so that people probably wouldn't over-practice over rest times, especially when they have a performance coach to tell them, okay, like, chill out here. This is legitimately not helping you win games. Sure. Right. I mean, I, I think it's just, it's early days in esports, I think, um, or at least for, for Overwatch League, even. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of format changes, a lot of like, every team has a different coaching structure. Like, I like then you look at traditional sports, right? Everyone pretty much has like every the same positions. Like you need team doctor, like performance, you know, trainers. Like they're all, you know, it's very standardized. Like the coaching structure. Whereas I think for esports and you know, Overwatch specifically, like there's variety. There, you know, people have different ideas. Some people need like, oh, we need a bunch of position coaches, or like, no, we we just need we need a strategic coach. We need a head coach. Some teams are like, no, 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 our head coach should also be the strategic coach and no, you know, top down. Um, yep. There's just a lot of different philosophies when it comes mm. to building uh, coaching structures, and then your coaching structure determines your practice. And or 
part of it your coach like part of it your coach instructor in terms of practice but also like your personnel right and i think an all korean team is used like the korean teams in that come from contenders are used to practicing a certain way um and i find that they tend to want to just import it into owl right um and then if you're on a mixed roster the western players are used to practicing slightly le- i mean i don't know about slightly but maybe you know definitely less um how yeah. it depends on the person the team they're on um just definitely western players as a team practice less. i'm not saying you know overall hours is probably similar like they play ranked like mm-hmm. the koreans do and, and and everything um but i don't think it's crazy to say that like western players on average like from the contender scene practice less coming into l um compared to their korean counterparts so i think mm-hmm. for koreans it's like I think there's a there's a big emphasis on experience, um, and obviously the only way you get experience is through adding additional scrim block, right? You don't. Um, whereas I think Western players they like okay, well by the third block we're not really like Western way of thinking is like by the third block we're not really fully into it. Like we're kind of like burned out. Like is the practice really that valuable? Why don't we you know? Wouldn't it be better for us to take a break or to vod review? Um, you know, be efficient with our practice time. Yeah. Whereas. Uh, I think for a lot of Korean players, it's the op- it's like, you know, if we're not doing well, we got to work more. If we're not if we're not getting the results we need, we need to scrim harder. We need to scrim more. We need to put in more time into the game as opposed to like like they vod review too. Like don't get me wrong, like Koreans vod review a lot. Like um, but they also you know I think I think that's like the central philosophy difference. Like we need experience to learn as opposed to we can conceptualize things and learn better via like top down or like. Um, someone mm-hmm. reviewing our stuff, pointing out mistakes, and then, and the, and then going back into the game. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I, 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 we, we talk about hero pools a lot, and we talk about bans and alternative systems. So we're we're not going to go on it any further here. Um, I do want to talk a bit more about uh, yourself, Albert, as well as the May Mayway, the twenty twenty Florida Mayhem, as well as the Overwatch League. Uh, but let's start with the uh, May Melee. And that is, um, this is kind of an interesting question. Uh, A person that we wanted to talk about was BQB. Um, Mm -hmm. In in the beginning of the season, I think BQB was really under the microscope as somebody who people felt wasn't cutting it in in that hit scan role, specifically on like McCree. Um, But I I would say during, especially during uh, May Melee, uh, we've seen a complete 180 on that. And we saw BQB uh, perform really well on those different heroes that it it appeared that he was struggling on before. Uh, Do you have any sort of insight as to why you think that was or why the perception was that way? If you feel like that wasn't uh, necessarily his fault in the in the early on um, games. I don't I don't think his McCree was bad. Does since the beginning of the season i think it's been fine you look at the stats um yeah we lost but it wasn't bqb's fault um i mean not don't want to like throw out the rest of the team but it's like the rest of the team, that's not what i'm trying so i'm just saying he performed well like yeah. we lost against philly early on you see his stats on mccurry you saw the way he was moving about the map like the flank high noon on uh lejean garden like he was making big plays for us um we didn't win uh but i i could see it there like the mechanics were there um we wouldn't play him on mccurry otherwise you know like if if he was really that big of a liability to McCree, like we we would have just put side player in. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's not like he was he. It's not like we only had one option to play McCree in the beginning of the season. Um, he played McCree because our team performed the best. Um, or Kuki thought we you know the team performed the best with him in the lineup, and that's why he's there. Um, so I, 
I definitely agree that he really peaked in um, the main melee tournament. Like he was the best Ash by like a country mile in terms of stats. Like sure. ev- like almost every single category. Like Bob placement. Like uh, besides crit, I think which is like not very relevant. Like final blows damage. Like yeah. he was leading them leading them all um, by by a long shot. Uh, so definitely, I, I definitely agree. He performed his at his best like that we've ever seen. Um, in the main melee tournament, but I, I disagree that he was ever, you know, performing poorly on McCree um, early on in the season. Yeah, I think it was more just a narrative coming into the season that it was like, okay, this is yeah. a, you know a flex player, you know, not somebody, you know, somebody known for Sombra, not, yeah. you know, not somebody who we would see normally play above Saya player, and to see that and his performance going into the early seasons, yeah. uh, the early regular season games was was definitely a an interesting trend and yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd agree like i didn't think he played all that poorly i will say that it was tough to get a read on specifically his play style because especially at the beginning you guys had i believe it was chris kind of like play as a bodyguard for him so he did get a lot of space um he had some resources put into him so it was tough to see like okay like what if they played um a, a less resource intensive style around their mercury will, will he perform that same way we get to the main melee it looks like he uh, has has blossomed into a very full fully fledged you know kind of full dps where he can play a little bit of flex but can shine on that that hits can so it was it, it's been a nice growth from yeah. preseason thinking and eh, i don't think he'll play over side player two you know he can hang he can play against some of the best and, and look really really good so uh, yeah. again hats off this whole this whole podcast i feel like would be like you know what you did a great job i don't know what else to say <laughs> no i, was like, I, I agree at my calorie yeah. counter going <laughs> dang it dang it dang it yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Public perception preseason, like, totally agree. Mm. That was definitely a thing. Um, obviously, you know, I saw different, um, which is why I kept BKB. Um, and you know, just happy it turned out the way it did. Uh, mm. But I, like, I kept him because he was super flexible. Did I think he'd be the num- the best Ash in the league in the main main tournament? No, like, I couldn't. You know, I'm not going to say like I knew he was going to be the best hit scan in a in a sure. monthly tournament. I, I'm not going to say that. Um, but I definitely knew he like he'd be above average. Um, very flexible. He can play multiple heroes in case we need to swap. Um, moving to hero pulls, I thought it was, you know, we just need flexibility. I think that's that's the name of the game um, for the league right now. Most definitely. It's, it's, it's been a nice coming kind of coming of age. And to, to kind of a, a similar point, you know, uh, one of the big criticisms we had going against this roster was Chris, and I think he had a, a fantastic performance this May Melee. Not something that I think was um, I could point to as, as necessarily a liability. I don't think, you know, we blew my socks off but the the comparison to then and now has been has been night and day um and looking at you know another criticism i had of this roster was like okay well cookie had some player experience and he's coached runaway for that one season but is he really a coach can we can we really you know justify or or looking at the experience he has is he a strong coach yet i i i can't i can't fault him with this performance and the growth that this team has had, I think everybody is just leveled up in a way. And yeah. it's, it's been, it's been really, really nice to see. Well, well for cookie, like I agree, like going in, um, you know, it, it's the runaway was winning everything before cookie joined. Right. Like that's yeah, not, yeah, exactly. that's just the case. Right. So for, I understand from the outsider's perspective, it's like, okay, well it doesn't really matter who the runaways coaches. They're going to do well because their players mm. are just insane. Right. Um, which is very valid. Uh, like logic because you look at contenders i think across you know just any region it's like usually people like to attribute success to the coach but whether or not like i know there's been really good teams that have had very poor coaching 
Mm-hmm. Like they're just player. They're just, it's just a player run team, right? It, the coach doesn't really do anything, um, but gets to take the credit. Um, I think that happens. Um, and with runaway, it was like, okay, well they're already doing well. So it's like, why do they, you know, how much did Kuki add, add yeah. value to the team? Right. Valid, valid, you know, thinking. Um, but you know, again, that's my job to look at as a general manager, look at mm-hmm. interview. I interviewed like 20 plus coaches in the off season. Like when I went to Korea, I went to the gauntlet. I talked to these people like one-on-one, uh, not one-on-one because we had a translator, obviously I don't speak Korean. Um, mm. but you know, I talked to them, you know, face to face, um, got to know them, like how they coach, how they, what their philosophies are on the game, what they thought was wrong with their team. Um, uh, like I interviewed so many coaches. Um, and then, you know, Kuki passed, you know, went like Kuki was very impressive. Um, mm. I was very impressed with him as a coach. Um, and, and yeah, and plus, you know, we wanted runway players and, the two runaway players that we wanted were like we we need like we want to be coached by Kuki, and also fate fate wanted to be coached by Kuki too. So it was it was just like it was kind of a perfect uh, perfect a perfect marriage, if you will. Mm-hmm. Nice. What can, can you talk about? What distinguished him? For, for, like, what is he really good at? What what do you think he excels at as a coach? Um, I think it's just a. I think the style of coaching is perfect for the hero pool stuff right now. Um, cause he emphasizes enabling players to make the correct read. Um, because for Overwatch as opposed to other esports, like the players, like there's no coaching. Like you can't like seriously, you can take a timeout and like berate players, like, hey, like you're missing this, you're missing this, like refocus. You can't do that in Overwatch. Mm-hmm. In Overwatch, they're on their own for the entirety of a map. Um you can't and when you pause, it's only for technical reasons. There's no tactical pausing in Overwatch. Yeah. Um so you can't like tactically reset. Uh it's all on the players. So I think so his style of coaching is like he tells players like he was a player himself, right? So he he coaches them in the way that like he wants he wishes they were he was coached or in the way he would like to be coached as a player, um, and I think it works you know really effectively. Uh, so it's a lot of like concepts, um, combos, uh, understand like working on the basics and then and then adding on stuff from there. So it's like okay, how do we execute an Arisa pull? Like let's first start with. A basic like Arisa pull into accretion. Then after we master that, let's add in other stuff. Let's add in um, like the ash. Let's add in the dynamite. Let's add in uh, sticky bombs. Um, and then once they understand that concept, then it's up to the players to then call it in game. Like okay, this mm. position, that position, um, this situation. Like how to read situations live in the game um, and adapt on the fly. I think that's you know that's what makes that's what separates a good team nowadays to like a bad team. A bad team's like okay, well, we have this game plan, now it's all gone. Um, and we have a very specific thinking on what we need to do. Whereas for us, it's like, okay, we have these heroes, as long as our players understand like what they can, like the basic plays they need to do to get value out of certain combinations, um, we have a chance to turn fights. Like No matter what the other team's running, we know what we have to do. We know mm. what our comp can do, um, which I think is far more important than like set strategies like oh Hanamura right. attack like we gotta approach this way, rotate this way, very specific, and then boom. Like once we if we execute that perfectly, we're there. But in Overwatch, like you know, you very rarely get to execute things the way you 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 Conceptualize ran it, yeah. yeah. Or or in scrims, right? So mm. So you 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 agree with the kind of thinking that the game with hero pools has been uh evolved into much more composition win conditions rather than this this big grandiose like micro on the map you know swap these comps if if then statements like it's become much more 
general understanding of what tools you have and how they work and what what they're good at right is that kind of am right, i, am I, I synthesizing the, the right message yeah i think it's more it's a little you have to you're forced to simplify it a little just right. because everything's so complex like maybe it's kind of to say simplification but really it's like okay they have a tracer mm. can we do the tracer one one like is that working for us it's like okay mm. we have yaki like that's fine but we have another team's like no, like, you know, we're not going to win that Tracer 1v1. Why, why, even, why even entertain that? Like, what, we just swapped Torb, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe something like, I don't know if that's what Shock was thinking. I think Krusty said, like, I think Krusty made an answer. Like, I think he probably would have preferred something else than the Torb, but the Torb mm-hmm. worked. Um, but, like, that's, that's the kind of thinking, like, a player needs to do on the fly. Like, right. be very, like, understand their limitations as a player and the hero's limitations. Like, okay, I can't play this hero. What's a better counter? Um, and be able to be able to make that decision because mm. the coach is not there. You can't just be like, hey, like tack pause, like we're getting rolled. Like, what do we do? You can't do that in a rush, right? You have right. to just get, you have to adapt while you're getting rolled. Um, going going back to the main melee a little bit, you guys have had a really impressive run. So you come in as the second seed, right? Which was, I think, already surprising enough as it was uh, going in. You go six and one in the seeding rounds. And you get the second seed, which means that you are. Um, and, and so let me get so right. So shock draft fuel. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. you draft rain, correct? That you were second to draft. Correct. The I think that a lot of people found that first draft pretty surprising. The Atlanta rain. I think especially pre-May uh, Melee, we're still floating in the, the top three, top four discussions, although I would definitely say mm-hmm. on this show they've, they've fallen off. Uh, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit uh, about the uh, process and justification for choosing the, the rain rather yeah. than the Gladiators or the um, Eternal? Paris Eternal. Um, well, publicly, I totally get the perception, right? They still had like a reputation um moving going in like they hadn't lost any matches that like were crazy like upset mm-hmm. losses um going in uh but for us like we just thought they were the weakest team like we in terms of our play style like we just thought we matched up really well against them we've been screaming them um for a while so i think it was just you know we we, we thought the matchup was favorable for us and uh less unknowns like we knew what they were going to do we knew that we saw their comp um that they played the day before um, they, we knew they were going to play Kodak, Dogman, Double Flex, um, going in, and you know, ner- no Erster. Like we just knew, we knew what they were going to play, um, and we thought our style. Like we didn't need to adapt anything. We were just like, okay, our comp. We believe our comps and our play style is just superior to the way they're playing right in their current form. Um, so it was a simple decision um, from there. Like I don't it, even if we had first choice, like we wouldn't have picked Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, we would have we, we would have picked Rain first because uh, we, we like the matchup, and also I think. Krusty said he was leaning towards the rain. Like he thinks if he had a, the weakest team on like in his mind, like he, he probably would have picked the rain. Um, but I think he said something like, I don't know what kind of convoluted logic this is, but he was like, we just wanted, we picked fuel cause we, we wanted to get it out of the way. I don't know what that means. Um, mm-hmm. But it seems, it seems like he, from his, at least from the translation that he, he also thought that uh, rain was um, with a weaker of the, of the four teams available. So less explosive, maybe what, what, yeah, not to, not to kind of, uh, 
kill kill the author on yeah. that but that's kind of an interesting an interesting tidbit i wonder and i wonder exactly yeah. why he wanted to get fuel out of the way maybe it's explosive i mean you know, decay factor it's tough christopher also said though that if they were gonna pick and they had the choice that they would consider drafting shock right away um yeah i mean for other reasons yeah. i mean but How could they get the shock though? Because they're all top four. Well, so that was the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, oh, like, yeah. if we could draft anybody, yeah, yeah. talked about wanting yeah. to be the best in North America, and he goes, right. you know, if we can, if we, if it matches up in the in the bracket, yeah. there's, yeah. we might want to draft the the shock because mm-hmm. we want to know how good we are, I, and you're not the best until you beat the best. I, I think the most interesting part was Paris falling to Valiant, um, like yeah. all the way to left, and it just based on their form that day. Um, but I think, yeah, there's pretty logical explanation for that. I think, like, they're very well-respected, like, the coaching staff. Um, you know, you can't just... They're on bad form this day. Like, it could be a totally different team the next day. Like, you don't know. Like, they played... Like, they didn't play very well either, like, the players. And it's like, one off day does not necessarily translate into, like, a run of, you know, multiple off days in a row. Yeah. Um, so I think people still view Paris as dangerous. And I think um, Philly... Like I was thinking, I was ta- we were talking like we were watching really because we were drafting right after and the Paris match was last and I was like, huh? So we draft Paris. So I was like, probably not. Like we know, we, like we're confident enough in beating Atlanta. Like I don't know. Like do we want to face a potentially good form Paris? Um, you know, and and I thought like I I don't know. I don't know. I, I think the answer to that was just we we felt like Atlanta was a more stable like variable for us to to figure out than mm. than you know Paris like. Maybe they're mad. Maybe they're pissed off, and tomorrow they they come out and you know the pairs that they could be right. Um, right. I think there's that. And then Philly probably was just like, well, we're tired of Philly. Uh, like Paris brings us to mat five like every match, right? Like, yeah. Why? Why do that? Seems like, like we'll, just a bad matchup. Yeah. Let's we'll just let's we'll just get the the other person right. You know, mm. The other team. Yeah. So, uh, so th- yeah, think ahead. that it it probably is a pretty good idea. Like. If I think about the justification that just Krusty gave, mm. it's like, and I'm not sure, like that's the o- the only thing I can think of is because the series are, are of di- different length between the final and the semifinal, mm. right? Yeah. So I'm not sure if if you give the credits to like the coaching staff or like the players of the fuel that they would be more likely to claw into a series like that uh, than the uh, alternative opponents. Mm-hmm. That would be interesting thought because I wouldn't think that would be the case. I would probably think the opposite would be the case because the win condition for Dallas a lot of the time is like just breakout performances by Decay and Doha. Yeah. So um, I will say, I think like the head to head there might lend itself to that they might it might just be another one of those stylistic matchups where it's like shock fuel they might just butt heads and play different sides at the same coin and it might just get too scrappy for them to like convincingly beat them i think it makes sense if you're shock and you think we're number one we can beat anyone here why don't we just beat like the person that we think could be the highest threat first since Mm -hmm. you know they don't have that much steam yet like it was a very exhausting series the day before um it seemed like only decay was popping off like, we know mm. what we have to do. Shut down Decay. We have a Like, you know, they have ANS. Like, they don't have... It's not like they don't have a Widowmaker that I, I think can match up to to uh, Decay. Um, and I think overall their team's probably a little bit stronger. Um, and it's like, you know, why give them more film? Because Shock hadn't played yep. until... Like, they right. had a bond, right? So yeah. it's like, okay, like, let's not let Fuel counter us or, like, 
let's just let's just take him out first. I could see that. Like that could yeah, be a that was, yeah. um, but Krusty didn't really go much. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't yeah that was gonna be my right. my 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 thought as well is that we know like A, you know kind of what the the look that fuel is gonna bring you. And they played mm. the the outlaws the day before, so you've already seen fuel. So you you draft them, you fuel don't really necessarily know what look you're going to give them. Um and uh yeah, I think I honestly I think that makes a ton of sense. Like the fuel the fuel have a little bit of Paris in them, right? Where it's like they might they're just yeah, they like can, there's they just a little up. bit of this wild card thing with you where you kinda wanna like control mm-hmm. as much as you can around them. Uh, so anyways, you you defeat the rain. Uh pretty handily, I would say. Um, and then you go in against the uh, fusion. So is this all according according to going according to your plan so far? As far as the teams that you're gonna have to face. I mean, we knew the bracket like, but at that the only the only uh, unknown was who we were gonna play first before we had to hit Philly. Yep. Um, mm. Always expected Philly to come out of of that match. Um, so we we expected to play Philly um, for Atlanta. It was just like we knew we could win. Um, just had to take care of business, make sure we get that win. Um, anything beyond that, like we knew Philly was going to be much harder, or we thought. I mean, the scoreline was the same, but going in, like we were, you know, we definitely respect Philly. Like everyone, I think everyone in the NA or probably the league respects Philly and what they can do. Um, mm-hmm. They're definitely a good team. Like they're they're no slouch. Um, so you know, like I see all the powerings. Like yeah, Philly could have done better. Um, yeah, but, I mean you're probably right. Uh, but yeah, I mean we were just a better team that day. Um, but yeah, definitely going in, we, it was like okay. We did what we have to do. Now it's like this. We went into it like as looking to upset um, rather Going, than like, oh, we got this in the bag. Did you mm. spend a lot of time that week um, preparing for that inevitable Philly matchup? Did you spend it all? I mean, I, I don't expect you to, to divulge too much, but every coach that we brought on so far that's talk about <clears> May <throat> Melee is they, they usually have one or two opponents in mind that they're pretty sure that they're going to have to face. And they know that that's going to be the major hurdle. Was that the fusion yeah. for you guys? Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, F- Fusion was, like, the big, like, after Fusion, it's like, okay, if we play Shock, like, close, like, that would be awesome already, you know, and we, and we did that, like, close enough, right? Um, like, we didn't go in, like, okay, we beat Philly, like, now we're, we'll, we'll be able to beat Chuck. Like, we definitely thought, had we, had, thought we had a chance, um, but yeah, Philly's definitely, like, the, the elephant in the room um, mm-hmm. that we had to, we had to encounter. Uh, in terms of preparation, I mean, again, like, talked about cookies coach style like we're focusing on ourselves um we're focusing on how our comp interacts with other comps um but like philly like we knew we could we could tell by their swaps like by their substitutions what they were going to play um i I don't know if we saw ekyo playing soldier on gibraltar um but normally it's like it was pretty like they're they're playing the same we actually made them swap off double flex actually um they started playing some brig uh brig tracer um but we knew, like based on their flex DPS, it'd be very indicative of what they're playing, and and their their off tank switch. Um, they're putting Fury in for like dive. Mm-hmm. They're putting putting Poco in for you know, uh, poke. Uh, so so we yeah we 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 knew going in, uh, kind of how to read them. Like we see Ivy, it's like okay, it's gonna be May. We see EQO, it's gonna be Echo. Um, so we kind of knew we had some advanced information that like that little bit of information. You know, I don't know what I don't know exactly what Cookie said, but I'm sure Cookie saw it. it was like okay. Remember, they're going to do this. They're going to do. It, they're probably going to do this. Um, let's let's remember like our core concepts on how we, you know, how we can beat this other cop or how we need to play to win. Um, 
Interesting. Did you guys feel like you came pretty early or were were quick to find this composition that this this tracer hit scan kind of combo that I would say kind of set a set a trend throughout uh, the semifinals? Um, did you guys feel like or did you feel like uh, the team in general got ahead of the curve in that sense? Like you found that comp pretty early. It fit, you know, all the players very well. Yeah. It, I mean, would you would you say that that kind of was indicative of you guys doing well? Was it was it more just, you know, individual kind of uh comfort picks what what kind of really was the nail in the coffin in, in this philly game i think it's both um okay. uh, we're very comfortable to comp um obviously uh and we got to practice it for during the uh i'm gonna say the right and during the you know the qualifying matches yeah uh, we were already playing tracer ash right like we were it, it wasn't a new comp for us right i think for some mm. of these other teams um they probably saw like double flex support like wow like that's pounding us in scrims like okay why don't we swap to that like you saw atlanta right like before this masa wasn't masa wasn't uh was still in the starting lineup but then by the main melee tournament they're like okay we need two flex boards because like we they they just value kodak zen and they're like okay we need to run zen bap yeah zen bap Mm -hmm. um that's the cop we need to run um we think kodak we i mean we we think kodak's better than masa on zen um so let's do that Mm -hmm. Um, whereas for us it's just like okay we're we're um we're gonna stick with what what we know we're gonna stick with because uh, we think it plays very well into other into other comps um especially echo comps i think a lot of teams uh kind of just sla- i don't want to say slaves to echo um but i i think a lot of teams like try to force echo too much which is uh which is a thing for it depends on every new hero whenever new hero comes out there's different like approaches to it. it's like okay yeah this year's op we must play it um, and then there's like, okay, yes, this hero's OP, but we have more practice on the other heroes. We can, we can, we have better performance on the the older heroes than you know incorporating a new one. Um, so I think for us, it's like, okay, they have Echo. We can also play like we play Echo on Junkertown, right? But mm-hmm. like we're just like we have an Ash, we have a Tracer, Tracer has his backline. Ash can you know check the Echo. Like we're perfectly fine. Like that's just kind of how we philosophically went into. Um, uh the meta hmm. do you think there is a world where you know in, in future tournaments hypothetically speaking um with with kind of new uh patches or maybe even new heroes is there a world where the florida mayhem kind of has to kind of bend the knee in that way and say well yeah this hero is just too good or is that just more of a full up like philosophical difference like you're saying where no i think we have that practice we you know that's what we're going to double down on is it is it kind of is there a difference would you say is there a world where that could happen or is that just kind of this is this is just how the teams run this is what we're gonna do is does that kind of make sense (laughs) no i think i think we're very flexible though like you Mm. saw like our shot count we were playing ryan like gargoyle ryan like we have a lot of different looks we can throw at people it's just like you have to make us show you those looks otherwise we're just going to run you over with our default comp Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. which i think is an indicator like like you know don't don't mess with what's you know what's working right right um, but we have other we ha- we have we have other comps um mm. and we've shown them um like it's not a secret right like the the, the ryan and lijong comp that we ran um we mm-hmm. played torb a few times we have echo like we played echo widow on joker town um so it's not like we can't play like yaki's echo is insane yeah um it's just you know we're not forcing the echo when we think right. there's a better options for our team out there um like when he's when he's on his current form as like a world beating tracer you know like why not take advantage of that why not yeah. um work with that um 
but yeah, I'm not worried. Like before that, you know, everyone's like, oh, they're just May abusers, right? Like early on, they're like, oh, Yaki's just early on. It was like, okay, Yaki isn't good at May, and they're like, okay, well now Yaki's just a May abuser. Um, mm-hmm. And then now it's like, okay, well now Yaki's only good at you know he's Tracer. only once Tracer's banned, like he's gonna be useless. Yeah. It's like no, we're we're fine. Like <laughs> there's been it's been said like multiple times, um, but like May, like he's got a huge hero pool, right? Like. Yep. And he's played May, Tracer, Echo, like all at a super high level, um, like game winning level. Um, so we'll be fine. Most definitely. And and kind of tying or a nice callback to, to Kuki's uh, entry into this team. Was that something that was was kind of relayed to you in those interviews that he had the, the this mind of being able to hold a, a full set of cards in his hand and just play them one by one or? You know, is this something that you you hired him kind of for where he could adapt to a meta? He could kind of be a slave to the meta in that sense, or he can just, you know, take what he's given and really double down on that. Was that was that flexibility echoed? No pun intended um, in the interview process. I mean, it is it is very hard to assess a coach fully unless he's seen him work in person. I think that's Mm. like that's kind of like the art of an interview just to figure out if they meet enough of the baselines that you're willing to take a, I mean it's always a risk right unless you sure, work personally and you know how they like I've never worked with Kuki personally mm. um so like I didn't have any background like some of these NA coaches like probably like are heard through the grapevine on like the work habits um stuff yeah. like that like I have a little bit more information to work on to make my decision with Kuki just like talking making sure you hit like I already knew because I saw the gauntlet right? I saw runaway like, yeah they lost um but it was clear like you know they're playing meta like he can at least play meta right and yeah, that's yeah. like um I think that's like that's like minimum for a coach um mm-hmm. coaching but it's like okay you can coach the meta um so i knew that going in um so then like all this stuff it's like i i'm the type of person like the way i like to manage and hire is like i hire you because i think you're going to be good at your job and then i trust you to be good at your job and i let you i give you like all the space you need to work you mm-hmm. know i'm not the type that's like looking over shoulders and like hey like we can fix this we can fix that like it's their process um and they need to be the ones to, you know, come to those conclusions and figure out what works for them. Um, and he's definitely, like, evolved as a coach as well like, throughout the season because he's never had a coach here at Pools, right? Like, that wasn't yeah. a thing yeah. before this year. Um, so he's evolved. Um, I think now a lot of coaches are at a place where they're like, okay, like, screw the meta. Like, we're never going to – we don't have enough time to even, like, refine the meta. Mm. What we do have enough time for – or, you know, what we do have a better chance of is refining what we're good at um and hoping that's it i'm not hoping that's enough that's that's very like pessimistic view but like and believing that it's enough yeah um you know it's like okay they might have a different comp they might have different graphs on meta but how we execute our comp that works best for our team um you know that's just gonna have to be enough for the for the match um and i think yeah makes sense so last thing on the may melee bracket and then we've got so many questions about the 2020 mayhem um the we obviously switched last not last minute or whatever, but relatively last minute, we switched to the May Melee tournament format. Uh, how did you like this monthly tournament format? Just overall from a competitive standpoint, from a health of the game standpoint, from a not pull your hair out as a GM standpoint, um, how, did, how did you like the, you know, so what, three seeding weeks and then a, a big tournament single elimination weekend? I liked it. Um could it be improved? I mean, def- I, I don't think it's perfect, um, but mm. I loved it. Um, I think the, it brought back a lot of the excitement of Overwatch. It brought back their stakes. Um, yep. There's yep. Uh, like any time you have a structure that brings out 
the best in every team and every player. Um, I think that's you know that's just a good structure. That's a good that's going to be good Overwatch. Um, I think end of the day that's what people you know want to see. Um, and also like no hero pools like you know there's no breaks right. There's no there's no guardrails. Um, you're you can run whatever you want right. These are truly like th- these are the best teams right now. Um, no hero pools, nothing you know. So yeah, I, I love the format. What, is there anything specifically that you you would personally change? Um, I don't know about the tournament structure, but just I think it would be better to have longer hero pulls. So like just the two. Like I personally would like a kind of a two on two off. Um, like so two. So the first two week two qualifiers are played on hero pools um, on one hero pool. So like that already lessens the workload by it halves the the workload on coaches and and players. Um, because instead of having you know each week, it's just one. Mm. So one over two weeks. I think two weeks is enough time. So like the objectives of hero pools is like to prevent stagnation. Um, but I don't think two weeks is a long enough time for the metas to get stagnant. Like first week, people are still figuring stuff out. Then yeah. at the second week, it's like okay, let's refine on those things that we've learned from first week. So it's still not like stagnant. It's still like not completely figured out. I think it's by like that third week where it's like okay, well this is what's good. Yeah, it's like first. First week, a bunch of teams played this. Second week, yeah. it's like, okay, we think these are better. These are, you know, these are meta. And then, like, some other team might come out with a counter. Third week, it's like, okay, now we know. Like, this this is just what teams are running. Because um, a lot of it is, like, you, you, em- like, you emulate what, you, what happens in scrims, right? So if you hmm. don't see anything but one comp in scrims, it's very hard to, you know, innovate when it's, yeah, when the scrims aren't innovative. But, like, when these hero pulls, like, people are experimenting like crazy right you see all types of different looks um, that you otherwise wouldn't enough you know when it once figured out so i think two months enough time um prevents that like it's not going to get stagnant and then two off so you have two weeks again like same concept uh no hero pools so like you have a week to initially like you know that this is your first like rough draft of what you think the meta is going to be and then Mm -hmm. the second week championship week or not championship week but tournament week it's like okay you've had a week to figure this out like now let's truly see like with with an with additional week of practice, like which teams are the best, who's most, who's better prepared, um, you know, which team looks better. Did you have any feeling or, or opinions on the map pools? I know that was kind of a big point of contention where it was like preparing for 14 different map pools. Yeah. Or, you know, some uh, different opponents was, was kind of, kind of stressful. It sounded like. Yeah. Um, I'd like it to be a little smaller. I don't know what the mm-hmm. that number looks like. Right. Um, I haven't really put too much thought on the number, but I definitely think, you know, too many maps. Um, also, I think it would help. Maybe you keep the same map pool, but just let people uh, pick ban uh, or not pick ban. Uh, pick like loser pick. I thought that was great, um, mm-hmm. and I I would like that to be incorporated in like the qualifier matches as, as well. Ideally, mm-hmm. um, you know, and there was a lot of three O's, right? And I think yeah. that's because you know both teams know the maps going in. If you just happen to be the better team, like or have the better comp, you should theoretically just win all three maps if you have a better grasp of the meta. Whereas you know, maybe introduce like loser pick. So then it's like, okay, we get to pick a map that we're really good at, and then mm-hmm. you know, we have a chance to win that way. Even though our comp or our grasp on the meta, our execution isn't as polished. Mm. Um, but you have the advantage because you know this is like a home map for you. Can I run a theory or like a um, yeah a theory or like a, a mode that I thought of for hero pulls by you? It's the problem is the complexities of that are. Probably, it's all, almost unfair to ask this in the moment because there's so much to think about. But okay, so if our premise is that we need hero pulls to 
keep diversity in the uh, metas that we're seeing. Mm -hmm. um, couldn't we conceive of a system where we just statistically look at, okay, we can identify the meta is getting rigid again because X, X percentage of teams are playing the very same six heroes or we could even talk about like maybe it's four heroes that we don't want to see at the same time we can talk about the parameters but let's run for instance let's say hero pool switches on once 75 percent of all the teams play the same comps and in that case four of the ren uh, of, of the six heroes are randomly banned and then Otherwise, if we have diversity by the nature of the character of the teams, that's what we want, right? That's the mm -hmm. superior diversity, where everyone plays what they want to play. And if that then gets to stale, because people aren't innovating for, you know, possibly unknown reasons, but also very versatile reasons, that then switches on, and then we have a... Uh, a different meta established um, maybe in the next week and we, then we could even talk about the length of these um, hero pool bands based on that maybe um, I haven't I don't think there's enough time for me to kind of unpack that yes. like, yeah, uh, like go through all the you know in mm -hmm. my head I guess the, the iterations are like the mm -hmm. uh, the consequence of, of, of that like and its impact on the league um, but in general I think just anything that accomplishes accomplishes the goal of uh, limiting stagnation or you know, just make sure it can't happen. Um, I mm -hmm. think that would align with kind of the league goals and um, like viewership preferences, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously, totally. I think for a lot of teams, um, not our team, because I think we're kind of embraced. The, I mean, we're it's we're obviously bi clearly biased, right? Because it's like, yeah, yeah. okay, we're, we're second place, right? So obviously, we, you know, status quo is fine. Yeah. Um, even <laughs> yeah. though we're going to complain about the status quo, like, yeah. you know, we're having good results. Whereas other teams that are like, bottom are probably like, nah, like, just give us a meta that we don't have to think, um, or just, you know, stagnation's better than just getting blasted on at a new meta, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, but I think anything, ultimately anything that uh, is kind of a compromise between, I think one week is too much, um, but I do definitely agree that we need to, there needs to be a way to limit uh, or to ensure that teams don't get stagnant. Um, and I think if you just know Hero Pool for an entire month, or even if you have a great, unless you, the only way to prevent that is to have like the best balance patches. And I think, um, mm. you know, that's been a, that's been a struggle. That's been a contention yeah. point. So I think Hero Pools is like a, probably the best band aid solution that I can think of. Um, it's just, so it's just the implementation of that, um, yep. that, that people are trying to, trying to fix or, or, you know, adjust. Yeah. All right. I, it, I would agree. I would agree for the most part. So no snap on hero pools, though. Get that, that <laughs> out of here. <laughs> if you're if you're listening or watching, this is the time to take a quick five second stretch break. So we start talking about the 2020 mayhem here, and we need. I think we need to start uh, first and talk about um, where the mayhem started this season to where they are now. Um, looking purely at just the final score lines results, you guys started out a bit slow going two and four. Mm -hmm. Yiska and I were eating heavy, um, having a good time. <laughs> hams every day, just eating ham, just hams every day. Um, and uh, I know we were pretty critical of the mayhem's opening performances on the show, specifically going two and four. 
Uh, did you expect to see the slow two and four start? And if so, what, what do you think contributed to that? Um, so I think only slightly disappointed in the two and four start. Um, I think the only team that we lost to that we shouldn't have lost to was London. Um, but otherwise, we won the games we were supposed to win on paper and lost the games we were supposed to lose on paper. Um, the losses were obviously blowouts, um, which is not great. But going mm-hmm. in, like, I don't think anyone could have expected us to actually win those games. Like, I didn't. I certainly didn't. I have expectations mm-hmm. for us to win. She's like, okay, we can take a map, um, make, it, make it close. Um, that's improvement. Um, but didn't expect us to beat, like, Philly and, and Nixel. Right? We, I believe we played Nixel. Um mm-hmm. Yep. Didn't expect us to beat those two. and Atlanta, right? Those were like three of the top teams, and you know, on our side mm. uh, of the division, of, you know, what are the division that existed at the time. Um, yeah, London, London, yeah, London, you know, went the full distance three and two, so close loss, um, but definitely one that you know we had our shot at winning. We should have won that for sure, mm. um, but we we didn't. Uh, I, I think a little bit more concerning for me was the way kind of our team. We're just very passive in the two and four stretch um, before we kind of turned the Jets on and, you know, became like the mayhem that we are right now. Mm. Um, and I think part like that's definitely in part like the turnaround is definitely a lot to do with Kuki um, and, and how he, you know, changed the team. Uh, but I think that's just the kind of a byproduct from the way we the kind of cathartic way we played like from past seasons. Like just we have a core, the core of a roster is mostly players from last season. Um, so when you have that and they're used to, you know, used to like playing a very, like we were very passive last year because we we're just a bad team. I think bad teams just naturally play more passive because they get scared. They're like, oh, they're afraid to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Or I think the good teams are like, they're not afraid to make mistakes. Um, they're confident enough that, and they can capitalize, like they go aggressive and they make the other team make mistakes and they capitalize on mistakes. And it's kind of a snowball. Whereas we were like, I would just say we're just a, like a shitty version of Nixel is how I would describe us playing the, mm-hmm. the two and four. Um, we were just slow, very cathartic, um, you know, just kind of waited for the team to int and then capitalize on their mistakes rather than trying to force them to make those mistakes um, and bring the fight to them. We just kind of let it come to us, see if they made mistakes and then, and then, uh, and then win from there. Um, kind of let basically let them beat themselves essentially. Um, which is why, you know, we had a lot more like sustained, like bunker style, uh, just slow, like just our pace was like glacial, I would say. Uh, so yeah, two and four, that's why that happened. Um, and then after that, uh, Pete Kuki told me like, we just had them play like death ball. So we had them play like super aggro comps that they literally, if they did not play aggressive, they would just get snowballed like to oblivion. Mm. Um, so we just worked on that, working our pacing there, like being a super aggressive team um and then that's why i was excited like the first like when we started on that that winning streak like i that first game that i was like wow like we are we are out of the gates like aggressive like we haven't seen this type of like pace um ever in like franchise history um and like all the good if you look at all the good teams like their pacing is very fast like it's just like they just hit you You don't have a chance like think they're just going they know what they're they know what they want to do and they go do it um, and then you just have to you have to deal with it. Um, mm. So I think that was like the biggest change. 
so I after, think that really was pretty apparent and your 3-0 win over Paris like you're saying that that was that big stretch and I think that was brought up a lot on the show that people were being you know very excited for the mayhem you know yeah. they're coming out they're beating Boston they're you're beating the teams that you should beat but I don't think people really put a lot of emphasis on that that Paris win because it was decisive it was fast like you're saying yeah and you know they can come out and kind of spin it like oh we didn't really have a good read it was hero pools but beating a team like that after kind of having a a, a shaky start yeah, definitely puts you on the trajectory that, you know, you're, you're now on. And there was a lot of kind of dead air in that in that sense where, you know, your qualifier matches weren't the hardest. And right. it was it was tough to get a good read. But looking back at that Paris game, everything that you're yeah. saying definitely matches up. I, I think pace transcends here pools like the way mm-hmm. you play and the and like also I think some I forgot who was talking about. But someone saying like confidence is like very important. Um, yeah. oh, I, th- I think that was the middle interview, actually, that I read. Um, where he was, also he was, that, uh, yeah, yeah, he was about, yeah. The idea was from Christopher. Then I injected that into the mm-hmm. mineral interview. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, and I, we're injecting that into this yes. interview now. Yeah, so, <laughs> spread so, the, yeah, no, I, the I, church I, of confidence. Yeah, yeah. I think for bad teams, it's like it's hard to build up that confidence. So we were a bad team last year. It takes it just takes time to have them understand like how to win, how to play the game properly again. Um, because you know you get abused for a year. It's it's tough to get out of that mindset. Like mm. I think they had to, like a lot of our players probably had, you know, like, am I good enough for the league at some point? Sure. Um, and I think to get to the point where you're like, okay, I am good enough. And like, I'm actually, I'm actually better. I'm actually better than this guy. Um, that like mental switch is like such a big deal. Um, like I see guard. I mean, not that Gargo didn't pop off stage four, uh, but like this year, like he's just very aggressive, like very confident in the way he plays. He's like one v like he's one v three one v xing, um, it's just you know it was great. So um, I mean I think you kind of answered the next question. We're gonna kind of talk about how how you turned it around and do, you know, whether you look at it a two and four start or a three and five start, and then you know a six and one ending versus a five and zero oh ending, uh, is kind of however you want to split it, however you want to cut that PB and J, but um. Let's talk about something a little bit more recent, and that's Saya Player. Mm-hmm. So Saya Player announced he'd be heading home to South Korea for a persisting health problem. Uh, can you provide any more insight? It sounds like he's been working through this for a long time. Um, we know that you know his playtime has definitely been split among a lot of really great people on the uh, Mayhem roster. So like, what what can you tell us um, about? Uh, Saya player, his performance this season, and then going back to South Korea. Um, I just, I don't think it's my place to kind of divulge, you know, his his health uh, issues. Um, I think that's that's a personal decision for him if he wants to speak out about it and provide more detail. Um, but so yeah, I, I don't I don't have anything to say on that other than you know it, it's just not my place to to divulge that information. Sure. Mm. Yeah, absolutely makes sense. Cool. Do we talk about the the newest signing? On the floor to mayhem is that uh, where we shoehorn this in? Because I know chat's super super jazzed about this one. Uh, Do we talk about Mister uh, Mister Sideshow okay. coming in with a quick fourteen? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know so, how all this stuff happens, man. Twenty twenty is a hell of a year. So how did that did did that really originate just like on Twitter, and then you guys took it from there? Yeah, um, I, it was just like a normal interact. Like Dom it started with Dom, right? Dom was just memeing around, posting like his gold highlight mm-hmm. clip, right? Yeah. I was like, 
So that's where I was like, like he probably would not be able to land like a single rocket, let alone two rockets to kill Yaki. So I was just like, mm-hmm. what do you like, dude? Like you, you land one, like you're signed. Because I knew he wouldn't. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen, I've seen Yaki play whole like back like preseason boot camp when Fair was still meta coming off the gauntlet. I've seen scrim blocks where he hasn't lost a single Fair duel like yeah. entire map. Sometimes like multiple maps. Um, so I was like, there's no, there's just no way. Um, so yeah, that's how that happened. And then sideshow, I guess, saw an opportunity to kind of like throw himself mm-hmm. in there. I was like, huh, interesting concept, like. Either I did not think he would actually get to five kills. I'll be honest, um, but you know we did that, and I was like, okay, forty-eight contract, like a minimum contract, obviously. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I I you know got that approved. I was like, okay, John, like Ben, like 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 this is hilarious. <laughs> like this is a great how do you explain that to a lawyer yeah. like that? Yeah. Yeah, it's like this is hilarious. Like I don't even know if Al will approve this, um, yeah. but like. Do we like? Do I have your permission to like commit us to like drop into 2K? Right, essentially. You know, I was like, okay, it's basically, basically, it's if wins, 2K like, sideshow guy. Yeah, it's just mm-hmm. a two. You know, just donating 2K to charity, right? It's just a, a charity. Mm-hmm. Sideshow's a charity case, essentially. So <laughs> I was like, I was like, we could donate 2K to charity, right? Like, we can we can give a 2K contract. Yeah. That's fine for the content. Um, yeah, yeah. And then I thought it'd be a fun event. Um, and you know, it's our players' break. Um kind of a fun event i don't i don't i didn't know how big it was gonna get i was like okay maybe like 2k 3k um but i think it i think peak was like nine it was something crazy like 9k yeah um without like any like the only thing we did to advertise this was like a few shit posts on twitter and like i i guess a few read like overwatch uh reddit posts mm-hmm. and like yeah. mm-hmm. we got 9k people watching like i think a vast like had to turn on the stream like abruptly because he he thought it was gonna it was gonna be an hour later um, did have some graphics prepared. Like it was just, it was just a fun event. Um, and and it got way bigger than I thought it was gonna be. And then the actual like event itself, like the one v one itself, was like just I, you couldn't have like scripted it any better. Honestly, like yeah. it just the way it, the way it all panned out, and like sideshow like legitimately hit those two rockets at the end. Like that wasn't Yaki trying to. That wasn't Yaki like standing in place. Like he was, you know, sideshow hit like mm. two two good rockets to to seal the deal for the fifth kill. Wow. Unreal. Does this does this open up, you know, uh the space for more kind of creative ways to to get content out of out of this game that kind of has, has been slow to to really not adapt but innovate in a way, right? Is this is go. this the is Here's this the sure. goats, you know, transition? Uh, is this stage 4? This guy of actually here? doesn't like I, Overwatch. He wants I, just I, wants people <laughs> to get cream pie in the face. Yeah. That's that's I, his peak entertainment. I think anything right now we need some content and that was that was that was content for sure. Yeah. I mean I don't think it's a new concept. I think it's just no. I mean, it was done online like yeah. Brent, Brent last year I think he was challenging everyone and their mother to mm-hmm. one. <laughs> he did. Right? Like, He's like the for kid. No, for zero, like they, fight, there, wasn't even, fight me. there wasn't even stakes attached to this. It was mm-hmm. just like we're just going to 1v1 and it's like for for what? There's like zero stakes and he was just challenging people. Like there's zero incentive. But like this was like a fun bet like yeah. you mm-hmm. know Yaki gets something if he wins, Sideshow gets something if he wins. Everyone's entertained. Um, they have, you know, incentives to kind of put on a show to do their best. Um, like I think Sideshow, I was on his stream like the night before, and he was like just one tricking Farah in preparation mm-hmm. for like hours on end. Um, in, in plat, uh, like ulting lamps and stuff. Like you know, it, yeah. it was just it was just yeah. a fun time. Um, yeah. I, I think it's harmless. Like 
uh, you know, it, it's just mm-hmm. it was just a harmless uh, harmless event. Don't think yeah. anyone's hurt. Like, no, no. It's not like it's not like side break. Take, yeah, and it's also it's like not like Sideshow's taking up a roster slot. You know, like no, I saw some no, comments no. like he's not like we even if I wanted to sign other people, we have roster slots for that. Like we're not capped by having Sideshow, and plus mm-hmm. like we're an all Korean team, right? Like I cannot sign anyone like that needs a visa. Yeah, yeah I think Yaki the only has a argument... fair coach for two weeks. <laughs> The, the only argument that people were making is like the yeah. sanctity of the owl yeah. contracts that it's like really hard to get there and then it's devalued yeah. or whatever but <laughs> like especially Boo. due to this being in the break where his 14 yeah. days end before literally end yeah. reasonably I, ever if, like, if right? he actually plays in the match i would totally like you know yeah that's when that's when like you can be like that's this is disrespectful like, yeah 100 would be disrespectful like i would never we wouldn't put Sideshow in a match. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's just, a, that's just like a line. That's like the line, right? The, you don't cross that line. Yeah. I Sorry, also don't Sideshow, think we have if you're teams. listening right now. If you had any hope there. <laughs> Getting that contract play extended. Time. Yeah, you know, or anything like that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I think also the bottom, bottom teams currently are actually trying a lot. And I think there's not even a team you could feasibly do it against in good conscience. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, like all the bottom teams, like is including Boston, definitely. Yeah, is, Boston's is not not slouching by any means these days. So that one, that one. Washington is tough. upgrading. Um, like I, I, I'd, okay, Titans, but even then, they you, you got to see getting them. better. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. It's just a lose lose, right? Like Chips is different. Like yeah. he's not a plat. No, like, yeah, yeah. Like no. we're literally going to be like us putting inside just a moment of five v sixing. Yes, um, literally. And, yeah, and, it, and it's like. If we win, it's like you're probably ruining some people's careers. You know, like that's yeah, that's really yeah, messed yeah. up. Um, and if you, you know, if you lose, it's just like, okay, you just threw. Like you literally <laughs> just threw an owl, an owl map. Like either way, like either of those scenarios is just messed up. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's yeah, not something agree. we would ever do. Yeah. So, and it's weird too because it's like if I'm John, if I'm correct, like this doesn't this isn't completely devolved from like traditional sports. Like you know. Uh, you can be signed to like one day contracts in hockey and like there there are in these hockey, like hockey there is a backup goalie that is goalie, not right? on yeah. your yeah. on your yeah. roster like there it was a magical yeah. thing i can't remember not too long was. ago i remember seeing it not yeah. long ago like some 42 year old like groundskeeper style goalie dude comes in and plays in like a playoff game or something yeah so this isn't completely devolved so it's like I hope these aren't the same people who are like traditional sports does this. So we needed, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like we have to, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to present the pie, you need to eat it too. Like, come on now. Like this isn't, this isn't, you know, no, no, nothing's being disrespected. Just like Albert saying, like nobody's, nobody's taking up a roster spot. They're on a break. This is just for content. Like it's not, it's not that serious guys. Come on now. We're, we're just here to entertain you guys during the break. Yeah, you know, come on. Otherwise we wouldn't be able to. I do, I do want to take a somber, not a somber turn. Um, that's the wrong term, but I do want to take a moment and talk about um, just overall uh, player health. So we, we had you on the show earlier on, and we, and we talked about uh, your transition uh, middle last season to a full Korean roster. Obviously, we saw the fall of the Titans this year. Uh, a full Korean roster who there there's so much to go into why that roster fell apart and why, you know, the Titans organization fell apart, but there is an increased microscope, especially under um, full Korean teams 
here living here in the United States, uh, COVID happening, hero, hero pools happening. Um, there's, uh, just a, a lot of just crazy circumstances here that makes the, uh, mental and personal health of players, especially Korean players in Overwatch League right now, uh, more challenging than ever. Can you give us some insight into how the Florida Mayhem are approaching that and doing uh, what appears to be uh, a, a pretty dang good job at keeping players uh, so. happy and healthy and um, in a in a mindset to win and um, just kind of all of that? At the end of the day, it's just, it's make them feel comfortable. Um, and I think... It helps that like I've had experience building like mixed rosters, Korean rosters. Like my first like professional roster build was Energy, um, and that was a mix of people, a mix of. Uh, I'm trying to think. Did we have any? Yeah, we did have Koreans. Yeah, it was a mix of Koreans um, and Western players, and I made sure to get a coach that you know was bilingual enough in both languages. Um, so 9K, uh, like I. I've been developing structures like for a while um, that would suit uh, Koreans and like multi, uh, like multi nation teams. Um, so it's nothing new to me. Um, it's just obviously I've gotten better. Um, so while I was with Energy uh, building like their roster, I also uh, advised and consulted on like the shock pickups. Um, so like I think you know their junk buck and then like their the Koreans that they picked up, so architect Choi. Um, and then they got crusty. Crusty had nothing to do with, um, but yeah, like they had, they were set up for success because they had someone there that could communicate between, act as a liaison. Like I think it's so important to have someone that understands Overwatch as well. Like Jumpbox bilingual, right? So they can go back and forth. Eventually, move Nike up. So they had two bilingual coaches. Crusty's also, you know, almost basically bilingual as well. Mm. Um, so they just have three solid coaches that can act as like a bridge. Plus their GM now, Chris. Uh, Chris is fully bilingual as well um i don't know if they have a dedicated translator but i don't think they do at this they don't need it at this point one of the few teams that probably don't need one just because they all four of their staff members um can speak uh english and korean um at, like at a decent level and their their players are at a point where like their english is pretty good mm. um, so i think it's uh so yeah, I learned learned those lessons um and it, you know just applied it to mayhem like okay, we're going full korean. What do I need? Um put myself just teleport myself to Korea. Like what would I need? What would I need to feel comfortable in Korea, right? And it's like very mm-hmm. simple. I want someone that's from the US ideally can speak both languages, understands the culture, like can guide me through stuff, help me do, you know, what I need to do. Um what I need to what I like help me live a life in Korea. So it's the same mm-hmm. thing in the US, right? It just just flip it around. Um so we already had uh, we we started that process last year. Like we had a bilingual manager, so David, um, our our t- team manager. Um, then we we had uh, the Valiant, uh, the old Valiant translator for a bit, Korean Mulan. Um, and then he went. He got. A, I think he's working for a, a a game developer. Game a game. I think he's working for a game developer now. Um, on translation stuff. But then this off season, we're like, okay, we need a. You know, I wanted to have two, um, because I think it's a lot of work for just one team manager team manager plus translation because everything needs to be translated because the mm-hmm. difference is i can't speak korean so management like any interactions i have with the team need to be translated um so maybe you know we had to have two um get a chef i think chef's important to make them feel at home home cooking like all the koreans that i've met they're you know most of them 
they just want to eat Korean food, which is fine. Um, Makes sense. I'm sure. I mean, I'm a little different as a person. Like, if I'm Korean, I'll probably I'll be just as fine eating local, like Korean food cuisine. Um, but I know a lot of like my fellow, like I know a lot of fellow Americans that they go to another country. They're like, what's the first thing they go to? They go to like a McDonald's. They McDonald's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> McDonald's. Yeah. I, I, like so many like study abroad friends I've been to. Like mm-hmm. Americans will just eat American food in the foreign. I'm like, to me, that's like crazy. Yeah, it's boring, but, I, but, but, but you know. It. I, I, I think that's after a enough thing, time, right? I'd be like, you know, man, I could go for a burger. But yeah, for mm-hmm. the at least yeah. a very long time, I'd be like, nah, man, give me all this, all this good stuff. Right, exactly. Especially for you know players that don't necessarily aren't the most worldly. I say like this is their first experience in a foreign country. Sure. Right? Like they don't have they don't have the time to develop like an event like a palette or like an mm-hmm. event palette. Like, and I'm mm-hmm. not paying them for that. You know, I'm not paying them to, true, yeah, true. to have a wide you know a, a large palette for food. So it's like okay, fine, we'll get a chef. We'll cook you. We'll cook you. Um, you know, nice Korean food. Uh, make you feel at home. Two managers that speak Korean help you assist with day to day life. On top of like managing, um, so they have you know their voices heard. Cookies speaks very good English as well. Um, not fluent, um, but I I think he gives himself less credit. Um, you know, less credit than than uh, his skills actually yeah, show. He can he can accurate. definitely hold a conversation. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, so it's like it just. The structure's there, um, and I think as long as the structure's there, um, the other pieces fall into place. Uh, as long as you show, you just have to show players that like you've thought, yeah, like you've thought of them, right? You mm. didn't just like drop them in. It's like okay, play Overwatch, like win games. You know, it's like that's that's not how you manage people. You have to, you have to like. It's my job to think proactively and make sure like everything is set up um, for them to succeed. Also, like they all have their own rooms. Um, there's, you know, they're <laughs> not. I didn't, yeah. They're not in like they're not sharing rooms or anything like that. They have a computer. Um, to like, yeah, they have a computer in their rooms. Um, it, yeah, everyone has a computer at home in the room, and then a computer at the facility. So they have two computers. Um, yeah, just making sure they have everything they need to be comfortable and play Overwatch. Um, yeah. Um, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus with that question and it's i think it's a legitimate one that every orc that has a full korean roster has to answer in some way um and i'm not sure how much you're involved in the business side of things but how do you market your roster towards a local fan base towards a global fan base potentially of course you also get some of that uh runaway energy with with those players yeah um cookie like there's a lot of story in your roster generally also with fate and with cookie Mm -hmm. um how do you how do you market that how do you turn turn this into something that friends can get behind um, I think there's there's a lot of different things, um, and not all of them even require money. Um, like Swingship does a great behind the scenes like series on Twitter, and it's like that small thing which just takes up like all that is is just being around the players, catching up on something. She does a really like she's really good at storytelling in that format, um, so that helps a lot, right? Like she's good at that. Um, Very much but, agree, yeah. But like just those little snippets of like, oh hey, like these guys are funny. Like these guys aren't just robots that play the game. Like and, you know, right you gotta humanize you gotta humanize yes. them and i think yes um having content series with them getting them to answer questions in korean and then translating them i, I think a lot of there's different ways you can do that i think nixel for a period of time like you watch their content um they're all they're all korean like they do a good job uh, but i think they try to incorporate more english um mm. whereas i think you, either way i think it doesn't matter if it's in korean or english as long as what they're saying is 
it shows a bit of their personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little harder to do with COVID now. Um, but I think just and also for us, we've been such a bad team that honestly, like if these guys had these guys had personality, obviously, but if they had zero personality, all they do was win. They'd already be marketable. Um, yeah. <laughs> I would say just compared to the mate, like the Floridas of the past um, of, of seasons past. So yeah, I mean, you did a good job with the, with the whole walkout thing in the past in season one with, uh, yeah, I have, I personally have mixed feelings about that. Um, because hmm. I'm a competitive person so like for me oh, it's like okay. do I want like do I even like I personally do I care that one of the worst teams in the league does walkouts like I probably I wouldn't care yeah would I yeah, yeah. like Same. I'd rather be a fan of Blood and Spitfire like, I mean they did walkouts too so it's a bad example <laughs> <laughs> clearly I, I don't think anybody other any other team has done so. yeah I, I named the one other team in the league that's like a, a wedding right like something yeah. absurd um, but yeah some other team that wins that doesn't do walkouts uh you know, it it's like I care more about them winning than than anything else. And like Nixel mm. did a great job, right? Like Nixel, they just won and they they did it well, dominated fashion, MVP. Like they marketed their players well, and I think, um, like uh, like I think the blueprints there, like how to do it, is there. Um, mm-hmm. You just have to learn and adapt it um, for your own market or for your own fans. And I think now, like that, we're at a place where I don't feel like I have fires to put out every day. Like last year, there. Yeah. You know, when you're on a bad team, there's fires every day, like different fires, raging fires. And you're just like, okay, mm. we need to get this guy. We just need to like get these, this guy in like a mental state where they can actually play it. Right. And they're mm. not like worrying about other stuff. Um, but now it's like at a place where we can work on expanding the community. So like swing chip recently started, like, cause we have a lot of Korean players, right? So it makes sense that they probably have Korean fans. Like we should reach out mm. to Korean fans, like not just yeah. be focused on, you know, only Florida. Um, so like our Discord now has like a Korean section that we're we just started up and you know connect with those fans. Um I think it's just important to to reach reach the fans like where they are. Um I th- I think mm-hmm. that's that's how I like to think about things. Like make it easy like points of touch where they can come to you um and find you easily, I think I think is the most important. Yeah, I, th- I think that was also one aspect that was always very impressive about NYXL is they definitely humanize their players. But they also do content that to a degree mythologizes them. Like you just see Jonex sit down for an hour. Oh yeah. Being the immovable object. Right. You have these amazing cinematics, uh like these these show like these videos, you know, like epically walking through New York in some way or whatever. Right? Mm. Like there is there's like this this twofold path in how they market uh, in that regard. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that needs to be the th- same thing. You also definitely need a team that wins. Like, you yeah. can't be mytho- mythological about the Shanghai Dragon Season 1. Um, yeah. But, yeah, that like, there's definitely different ways. And I think now your, uh, your socials also seem to be embracing the, you know, the wackier, like, yeah. humorous sides of things. Uh, in a different way and like carving out these un- unique um, identities for the team, I think does a great job. It's, it's just challenging. Uh, and I yeah. empathize with I, finding these avenues. Uh, mm. Well, I was like, Nixel does it a little differently. Like, why I believe they're still working with level 99. So they have an agency that does all this as opposed to like in-house. Whereas mm-hmm. for us, like we're a little different because we do it in-house. Um, mm-hmm. We don't have, we're not, we're not paying another agency to like come up with like these like Love Nine does such a good job. Yeah. Um but like they're 
they're not cheap, right? Like they're sure. premier. Yeah, yeah. Like they're that level is like it's super polished, right? And that like props next, like they're investing in doing that. Um, but our, you know, we're kind of doing it more grassroots. Mm-hmm. Like Swing Chips helping out. Um, our content team is all in house, and they're the ones making like the memes, the Instagram posts, um, uh, the like the studio content. Like we're doing it out of uh, with our own uh, people that we hire full time. Um, also, grassroots talent out, out coming out of the community, not coming right. in the yeah. community, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think for us, it's just I value people that like it, it's nice that our content people also came from the scene and also passionate about Overwatch. And I think that's like I think if I could say one thing about like our staff, it's like everyone loves Overwatch, and I don't think that's something you can say about many yeah. other yeah. teams. Where yeah. it's like, oh, it's another job. Like I, you know, I was on the parent org, and I just got thrown onto mm-hmm. this it's like okay now you're overwatch league now it's like okay well i didn't I really like ask for this. Mm-hmm. yeah it's like yeah. actually like counter-strike more or you know mm-hmm. whatever the case may be um but i think that's like a, a strong aspect like when you have when the passion's there um the work like it, it shows in the work it shows in the in, in the productivity yeah. um, i think that's very important very esports very grassroots very you know endemic it's a good i thing. i always fear at being given uh like an NFL team uh, PR address to contact because yeah. I definitely already know how important I am to them <laughs> that like if my email shows up right like mm. yeah. yeah oh this is a fun one guys going long time? again you know we're on the break we can go as long we can go long now we don't have to battle with 30 <laughs> hours of overwatch mm-hmm. to watch over the weekend we're just like you know what we can do a two hour show let you consume it over the week and you'll be all right. Uh, Chad, I hope you had a ton of fun today. Thank you so much for hanging out. Uh, you guys are the best. Uh, Albert, before we go, we always like to give uh, coaches, representative teams, an opportunity to give a message to their fans um, just about the team, um, anything else, just like, you know, speak directly to them. Uh, yeah. So uh, what do you got? Yeah. Um, you know, again, thanks to all our fans that have been here from day one. Um, but you know, I'd be remiss to not welcome all the bandwagoners that have now appeared on, <laughs> on Reddit um, and our Discord, um, you know, Sideshow fans, you know, where, whatever the reason, <laughs> whatever the reason you have for becoming a Mayhem fan, like, you know, we're, we accept it all, um, you know, there's there's no there's no fan discrimination here. Uh, so everyone's welcome. Hop on the bandwagon if you want, um, you know, hop off of it if you want. Uh, but, you know, just ha- have a good time, like watch good Overwatch. Um, hopefully, you know, we keep the results coming. Awesome. Um, and uh, where can people like find uh, you personally, um, uh, like your socials and stuff like that? Um, yeah, so I'm mostly active on Twitter. Um, I don't know the next time I'll be making a trash talk tweet. Um, that seems to be where all my followers come from nowadays. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. uh, you know, that, that might have been a one-time, situ- a one-time case, a, one- a one-time thing. Um, but yeah, follow me on Twitter. Uh, yeah, Y E H H H three H's. Um, and you know, I'm I'm streaming a little bit more now. Uh, don't know how long that's gonna last. Um, but same thing, Y E H H H on, on Twitch uh, and, and on Twitter. Awesome. Um, chat. Thanks for being here, and a big thank you to our patron producers: Battlecrab, Pin, Lotion, Charlie L Audio, Compass, Porkchop, Sammy, Kasha, Sixty Seven, Coochie, Kopi, Shara, Picasso, Nathan, Your Misery, Hunter, Tain, Refined Bean, and Rex Zane. Getting really good at that at this point. Uh, thanks so much for supporting the show. Patreon.com slash Tactical Crouch if you want to support. Uh, no new patrons this week, but we did get a new sub, uh, did we not, Yiska? 
we did, and it's coppers, uh, which I recognize to be like one of the guys that follow us for the betting odds, and hmm, who also therefore hates Chengdu, of course, <laughs> like, yeah. because of the results they do. So yeah. thank you for the sub. Um, and five star iTunes reviews, Joe. We've got D Hulky coming in. I believe that is the host of, funnily enough, uh, the fantasy esports podcast that kind of is primarily about uh, Overwatch. So if you're into that, definitely go give that a, a look see. And thank you, D Hulky, for the uh, five star iTunes review. Yes, absolutely. And of course, if you like the show, you can sub right here, twitch.tv slash Tripod, or go leave a five star iTunes review. Um, we really do appreciate that support a ton. Individual shout outs for the week and where can people find you very quickly? Yiska. As always, on my Twitter, at Yiska out, and then on GG Recon. Short week, because Germany, Germany as always, is lazy, so I had a day off today. And I'll have a day off next week, too. So, but look at you. Yeah, we take it. And then at the end of the month, I have a, an entire week off, because that's my holiday. I'm not working, really. Just, work. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's basically like, yeah, you have uh, national holidays, and then some sort of socialized... Uh, free money right it's just free money everywhere raining like picking off the trees you just grab it that's your job basically is just grabbing the money off of the trees putting it in a basket going yes. and buying a bratwurst basically if so. i had to sum up german life I, that's how i understand yes. it yeah. uh that's exactly how it is <laughs> joe what about you <laughs> This week we've got uh, just posted uh, a review of uh, Europe's best Valorant team and somehow they still don't have a home. So go check that out if you're new to Valorant or want to get into the esports space as the game releases tomorrow. As for Overwatch, we're, uh, we're writing stuff. Be Stay tuned. Stay tuned. I have an end to the Misfits organization if you uh, want to pitch <laughs> Fish123 to them. Joe, oh, give maybe, you maybe. I'll give you a hand. Uh, i yeah. Uh, as for me, you can find me everywhere at Kick Tripod, Twitch, Twitter, YouTube. Uh, just the normal stuff. Uh, Tactical Crouch, Monday, Wednesday at noon, twitch.tv slash Kick Tripod. Spike Drop on Fridays at noon, twitch.tv slash Kick Tripod, and at youtube.com slash Spike Drop. That's going to do it for us, chat. We don't have time for a post show today, uh, but um, hope you enjoyed it. Hope you learned something new. Hope you went and bought a bunch of uh, Florida Mayhem jerseys. And, sideshow jerseys. Uh, sideshow jerseys. They're good. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you, they're they're not going to be up there for long. So go uh, go make sure to get those. Other than that, we'll see you on Wednesday for another show. We might have a surprise. We might not. I'll let you know. Just don't miss it. Monday, Twitch.tv slash Kick or Wednesday. Sorry, Twitch.tv slash Kick Tripod. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. <laughs>